0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film New Year's Eve. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed, just be aware that there are plot spoilers. Enjoy and a happy new year.
0: I couldn't uh, fit all of my recording stuff in with everything I needed to take for Christmas. Uh, So what I'm doing is I'm recording onto the voice recorder on my phone, but then speaking to you through the built-in microphone on my Mac. So, uh, yeah. Good idea. Bit of a rigged setup. (laughs) But never mind.
1: Just like the Oscars, am I right?
0: Hey, yeah. That was the first...
1: Award ceremony I could think of. I don't think it actually has a rep for being rigged, does it?
0: It's the biggest conspiracy since Flat Earth. In fact, <laughs> I believe they're somehow related.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, um, is it Moonlight that won all the Oscars? I mean, there is no actual moon, so there's obviously a good conspiracy about that. Well, exactly, you know. <laughs> or, actually, yeah, what do Flat Earthers think about the moon? Is the moon flat? Or
0: well, some of them think it's a moon, like a, an an actual moon. Others think that it's a fabrication, don't they?
1: Yeah, like it's literally made of fabric and hung up. <laughs> above. It's it's
0: just a bedsheet that's been put into a circle and thrown up in the sky. It's just yeah. a bit of string.
1: It's a, a bedsheet on a on a stick. It's the yeah. moon on a stick.
0: Moon on a
1: stick. That was a little little sneeze there. Are you feeling under the weather?
0: I am very ill today. Um, I got ill in early December and I thought, oh, that's great. I've got the cold early so I won't have it over Christmas. And then about on the 21st of December, I was like, oh no, my throat's starting to hurt. And now I am in full-blown cold.
1: Yeah, see, I'm feeling a bit under the weather as well, but not in the the throat area. I'm more of a nose more of a nose kind of guy. So you get the, the nose streaming, the sinus pain. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got yeah. that as well. I've got the full the full Monty of uh <laughs> of horrible coldness, unfortunately.
1: The full Monty Don. <laughs> the gardener's uh, cold. The gardener's cold. <laughs>
0: So how are you? How are you?
1: Yeah, and no, I'm good apart from yeah, apart from the obvious the obvious cold. It's good. It's um, it this podcast is about the film New Year's Eve. It will be released a couple of days before, but we are recording this on Christmas Eve, so we're still in in full full festive mode. Yes, are you feeling indeed. festive.
0: I am. I'm wearing my favorite Christmas jumper today, which I'll oh. move my camera down. You can see uh, it's the nice. Darth Vader <gasps> playing the piano. Oh. oh. Playing the piano, we've got some Han, Luke, and Leia stockings. Uh, by nice. the fire, it's yeah, it's a good one. It's my
1: favorite. And Vader, should I say, is playing the piano with one hand, quite nonchalantly, like a jazz guy, while he leans on it, just like Scoobertoo bop bop, smooth Vader. It's nice. Scoobertoo bop bop, rebel scum. I'm a scat. Man,
0: (laughs) I find your lack of scat disturbing.
1: (laughs) I'm referring both to the musical form and the genre of pornography. (laughs) Oh dear, scatological. That's a that's a good subject, good subject area for kicking off a festive podcast.
0: It is, yeah, is is yeah, that kind of stuff. Disgusting uh, sexual acts
1: is exactly what we want. Yep. Poop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, because the your cat hit the wires and uh, pulled out the wires and we lost a little bit of the recording last time uh, unfortunately people didn't get to hear my very lengthy rant about how much i hate the elf on the shelf <laughs> so <laughs> if you're wondering if some of the stuff in last week's episode seems a little bit out of context i went on a long a long chat about how i think the elf on the shelf is incredibly creepy and then you reminded me that it looks like michael gove and on uh on twitter we um i posted one of those memes that they have now where it says you know it's the you've heard of the elf on the shelf now get ready for you know it's two things that rhyme like men with ven or whatever and i put a picture of michael gove and then a picture of a cove and then nobody got it so your reply was asshole on the archipelago <laughs> 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 which is good and my dad just went with twat on an island
0: <laughs> both both accurate um yeah i did get what you were going for but i felt like i would leave it open to our fans uh, yeah, to give the correct answer.
1: So if you have any more ideas, you know, send them our way. But Gove is definitely going on to Trash Island along with the Elf on the Shelf.
0: Yes, I mean they are one and the same. So if you throw one on, the other one will follow.
1: This is this is true. Yeah, the Elf on the Shelf is just Gove in his festive gear. He doesn't wear the Elf outfit for the rest of the year.
0: Only in bed. yeah yeah. he's an he's an alpha (laughs) file
1: now that i don't want to be thinking about on christmas eve Yeah. So, where's the cat if you're at your parents' house and you haven't yet, we're seven or eight minutes in, and I haven't yet heard you telling the cat to fuck off. So, I'm assuming (laughs) it's not. I'm assuming it's not there.
0: No, it's not. It's um, at Katie's. She's taking it because my parents have a dog, a very loud dog that does not like cats. Um, Whereas Katie's. I've met this dog. Yes. She is a menace to society. Yeah. whereas uh katie's parents they have a cat but it spends a lot of time outside and then katie can just have minnie in her room um in her old bedroom which is what's happening so they the two cats have met and they've been standoffish, and there's been a bit of hissing but there's not been any charges of violence or anything like that that's good um so we'll see if they get on a bit better over the coming days but if not she's just got a bedroom to chill out in which is what she seems to be doing at the moment cool are you enjoying having a dog around? Yeah,
1: that's, that's great. I'm going to walk him again. I've I've been taking him on his afternoon walk, which is usually sort of slightly shorter, but still good when he's a bit more, bit more lethargic. I'm trying to, I'm trying not to not to give him too many treats because some he he gets a lot of mixed messages. So some people don't give him any treats at all. Some people give him a lot. So he always has to kind of work out where you fit in on the treat scale. But yeah, he's he's good. He's very very good. And most of the time, he's quite sleepy. So,
0: oh, that's all right. Where are you on the on the treat scale in general? I imagine you'd be quite high on the
1: treat scale. You think so? But actually, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Oh, really? Yeah, because I wa- I think it's important for dogs to behave well. You know, I don't want them to become to become, as you say, a menace to society, <laughs> a disgrace, <laughs> disgrace to canine kind.
0: <laughs> well, you and you and Rob Sherman are partly responsible for my dog becoming a menace to society yeah. and because you came down and visited and gave it so much attention that it kind of broke its mind and it was never the same after
1: your visit we took it out on the streets we got it involved in some drug deals you know <laughs> it was like the wire but with spaniels yeah <laughs> now that's going to be next year's Christmas jumper <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's our last, our last episode of the year. Yeah, Maybe not in terms of recording, but in terms of uh, schedule. So this will be, our I think, thirty-fourth episode. So we've done, we've done very, very well to get this far. I think, um, and I'm very, very proud of what we've accomplished. Actually,
0: yeah, definitely, it's been great. It's been we really don't want to do
1: too much talking about the show on the show, but I'm really, yeah, I'm really happy with it, and I'm really. Excited to to get on looking at more films next year.
0: Definitely, yeah. i I think there's going to be an excellent 2018 full of more, um, more ridiculous movie watches. I want us to find some more terrible movies to watch. I think that's my yeah. goal for next year.
1: Yeah, none of none of these good films. None of that fucking nonsense. Not. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to see anything that's accomplished or you know or you know good. Or well put together, or well written, or has good actors in it—all all of that stuff can get in the bin.
0: Give us pure, unadulterated shite. That's what we—that's what we're after.
1: Yep, that's that's our that's our 2018 resolution or hashtag 2018 goals. Pure, <laughs> unadulterated shite. Speaking of which, shall we talk about New Year's Eve? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Best segue. But- is possible for this movie um yes did you enjoy new year's eve paddy
1: i did not no <laughs> um i think this is the second or third time that i've seen it and it was even worse watching this time around than the first time around i think i think we first went to see it oh no we didn't go and see it in the cinema which you did i believe yeah but um yeah we watched it i think around the time it came out um not, or maybe the year after, because we wouldn't have gone to the cinema. We maybe got the got it on the DVD because it came out in 2011. We would have watched it in 2012, and I think I think we did have Netflix then, but it wasn't really as big a thing, so it probably wouldn't have been around then. I think we might even have had a DVD of it at some point that we picked up from from a cheap shop, and then swiftly got rid of once we realised it was a terrible film. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite something, isn't it?
1: So how was your experience? Can you think back to 2011? How was your experience of going to see it in the cinema? Did you I... go and see it
0: on New Year's Eve? No, it wasn't on New Year's Eve. Um, I fucking hated it at the time. <laughs> I despised this movie with every inch of my being. Um, and this time round, I don't hate it as much as I did then. I remember it being one of the worst things I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um and it's not quite that bad, but there's just something so incredibly boring about it and so yeah. incredibly detached about it um which which continues to to be this way um on a second watch uh yeah so no i was i was i did not enjoy it the second time round i did not have a miraculous recovery in my mind.
1: That's interesting, though, that you say that it wasn't as bad as the first time. I guess maybe because you knew it was terrible, you you went in with really low expectations, so it wasn't hard to to beat them. Whereas I just kind of I couldn't really remember much of it because so much of it is just unbelievably forgettable, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and that's the main problem: is so much of it is just unbelievably boring. Um, Most of the plot lines you have no attachment to whatsoever. And there'll be this, like, every single one of them kind of has this moment of emotional punch or attempted emotional punch, but it's a non-alcoholic emotional punch. And it's just a bit, it's been left out for too long and a bit stale. Um, it is,
1: and, it is weak source. Very, yes. very weak source.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just like, oh, okay. Like, uh, the, the one thing that, so New Year's Eve, it's a, series of vignettes basically tied together like a poor man's love actually without anyone suggesting that the band blue have tiny dicks Um, (laughs) little pricks little pricks um and uh and yeah you're but it has the same problem as love actually but even further compounded in that you're never given enough time with any of these people to really care but unlike love actually a lot of them don't even have the potential to be something good
1: yeah, the the Love Actually comparison is actually, I think, very, very good and a very interesting one because, obviously, we talked about how Love Actually isn't very good either and has a lot of problems with it. But there are pockets of humour and intrigue and warmth in Love Actually. Um, it's more that it's just presented in a kind of very, very overdone and overcooked package um, that relies on a lot of cliché. Whereas New Year's Eve is just, yeah, it's 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 trying to do what Love Actually did. But it's um, it doesn't even get halfway there, and to try and accomplish something that was done by a film that wasn't very accomplished in the first place and failing, then yeah, it really is kind of it adds another yeah. layer of failure to it. It sounds like sounds like a dog <laughs> yeah. um sounds like a dog agrees with me.
0: The the dog definitely agrees with you. Alternatively, the dog has yeah. just seen something it doesn't like or had some kind of episode and has decided to go on a barking fit.
1: Has have seen your face? Um,
0: she does not like my face, actually, <laughs> really um, she yeah, she is a grumpy, grumpy dog. She cares
1: not for me you um, You went a little bit, Tommy Wiseau when you said that <laughs> she does not like my
0: face, <laughs> she does not like my face, oh hi, doggy. Um, dog- i'd I'd like to point out as well that um you mentioned not even getting halfway there, and this is a film that does include John Bon Jovi, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> one of his one of his acting that, moments. That actually was not deliberate, but I had planned to make the, the Bon Jovi joke later on. we are gonna say, um because <laughs> we've used that in the past to say he he bon Jovied it. gonna say he very much bon Jovi'd his performance in this film.
0: Yes. Yeah. And and uh John Bon Jovi, he did make multiple attempts to uh to get into acting. Oh, really? Over the years, but I think I think this was his last one. Yeah. I think after this, the only thing he's done is be in Bon Jovi. What a way to um, go! Which, yeah. So, so he's been in. Um, he was in Ali McBeal, for instance. Um, he was in that boring submarine movie that I've forgotten the name of.
1: U five seven one.
0: Yes, U five seven one. U five seven
1: one.
0: And he's in a. A surprisingly good like mystery horror movie called Cry Wolf where he plays a university dean and he's completely miscast. (laughs) Um it's amazing. Can you imagine if if we when we're at university if Bon Jovi rocked up and was like trying to be an intellectual dean of of the university.
1: I'm genuinely Um, really having trouble picturing that. Although I'm also imagining him as the dean in Animal House when he says, quiet boy, or you'll be out of here like, shit through a goose. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a line I can't imagine John Bon Jovi delivering.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, I can't imagine he he would not be uh, the person being that stuck up um, and puffy. And again, he plays kind of like a cool dean character in Cry Wolf. Of course. Um, which, which is a movie, it's an interesting film. Um, it won a competition to be made. So someone sent in these premises or they made a short film. And then they were given the budget to make a full movie off the back of it. Oh. Um, and it nearly works. And it's quite a clever idea. It's kind of like an alternate reality game thing going on. Um, but then there's a real killer and that kind of stuff. It's all to do with a very early sort of like concepts of social media um, and sort of like internet culture um and it it nearly works it's it's undone by a couple of miscastings one of which is is John Bon
1: Jovi um but so uh, but yeah
0: it's nearly there
1: is John Bon Jovi a wolf boy
0: no unfortunately it's got nothing to do with with wolves oh, um that, but there a is true. a, a killer it's a killer so the whole thing is basically like a retelling of the boy who cried wolf where they're like there's a killer but then they're like but no it's really like just a social media joke but no. then there really is a killer that kind
1: of thing. That's kind of like um, oh, swim Fan. You remember Swim Fan? Oh, yes, yeah, Swimfan. That man. was like an early kind of internet culture um, murder story thing, wasn't it? I haven't seen it since yeah. it first came out, but I remember thinking it was quite good at the time, but it not really doing very well. I think because it was David Schwimmer in an early kind of serious performance and people hadn't gotten over him as Ross from Friends yet. Whereas now, now that we've had him as Robert Kardashian in the OJ Simpson programme... I think people are taking him really seriously at last.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I I can't remember whether Swim fans any good or not. I think movies that you've not watched since you were a teenager, it's very hard to give a definite answer on whether it's truly good or whether it's not.
1: I'd imagine that it would probably actually be dated, seem kind of dated now, if only because of all the stuff where if they're emailing, it's going to be like he's typing in courier new for a long time on a very small cathode ray screen or whatever, in the same way that in Love Actually, um, they're, or no, sorry, I'm thinking of the holiday where um, Kate Winslet was emailing the, the sexy roguish man on some kind of PDA palm pilot thing. I'd imagine that swim fan possibly suffers from the same problem, but I can't. I genuinely can't remember it.
0: Lots and lots of references to MySpace and Bebo.
1: Oh, Bebo. I I guess. Remember Bebo?
0: (laughs) Barely. I barely remember Bebo.
1: I don't think I ever really used it. What Bebo had over MySpace at the time was that people's had like it. It kind of had the wall thing before Facebook did. Um, so you could like write on people's walls, but it also had a box where you could, you could do like Microsoft paint style drawings. Um, and people used to have a lot of fun with that and just draw a lot of willies.
0: <laughs> I mean, what more could you ask for from a social media, uh, social like network?
1: Yeah. I wonder if John Bon Jovi was ever on it. I don't
0: know. Hold on a
1: sec. Let's go. Bon Jovi Bebo. Because Bebo must still be around, right? They haven't got rid of Bebo. Well, Myspace is still going, so although I can't imagine why anyone would use it.
0: Yeah, well, Myspace, they tried to um, turn into uh, a purely music channel, didn't they?
1: Yeah, which um, I think which really fell on its ass.
0: It's totally failed because nobody wanted it. Um, you had various other form formats for that kind of thing. Um, and also Myspace continually compressed the shit out of anyone's music. So why the hell would any like musician deliberately
1: choose to put it solely
0: on somewhere where your music was compressed to all hell? It
1: compressed the hell out of it, but it still, half the time, wouldn't load if you ever oh, went yeah. to the site and pressed the play button. It wouldn't it just not yeah. not even load.
0: Yeah, which is always really helpful. Um, I have found a custom Bebo profile design Ooh. for Bon Jovi. So clearly Bon Jovi used to have a Bebo, Oh, is it going to load? It might be that Bebo no longer exists, which is very sad.
1: That would be a real shame. See, when I'm looking at Bebo. What I'm getting is a, a, a some kind of streaming service for Twitch, the the gaming yeah. platform. Yeah,
0: yeah. So maybe Bebo has gone, and now something else has appeared that's called Bebo. Oh, uh, their 404 page has Pepe the racist frog on it which oh, immediately okay, yeah. made him want to get rid of them. Maybe
1: it predates
0: when the fascists took over Pepe, when it was just a little frog.
1: It's possible. It's more than possible.
0: Um yeah, so anyway, bon javi.
1: Yeah. As I said, Not- his performance is is halfway there. Maybe even that's being charitable. But you could say that about any of the performances in this film. And this I think is the ultimate problem with these kind of ensemble cast films that maybe love actually mostly suffers from, but there are still one or two performances that Just about uh, you can get hold of. Whereas in this, it's like because there's no big meaty main role at all. Everyone, all the scenes are so disjointed and so disconnected. Each performance in itself is probably only about ten minutes of screen time. So everyone could probably have shot their bit in two or three days, Um, and then everyone would have just been able to to kind of completely phone in their performance. So nobody, I think, really had any reason or motivation to care about their performance it was probably just a side gig for everyone while they were filming something else and then to try and piece that together into a good and engaging film is just impossible because i don't get the feeling that anyone cared about their performance in this film what do you think
0: yeah i i get exactly the same i mean to be fair to all of the actors in this movie uh, the the script is is trash uh, let's be honest here the script is very poor and like you've got some incredible actors in this you've got michelle pfeiffer you've got robert de niro Halle berry
1: uh carrie elwes oh carrie elwes i love carrie elwes he's great um, he did not need this and he's only in it for about a minute as well that's the thing he's got yeah he's just the kind of concerned doctor says something doctorly and then disappears
0: but like even even the sort of minor characters in it they got some really good minor minor characters filled with some very strong actors so you've got like sarah paulson um and till schweiger who are the the other rival couple yeah to have a baby on new year and i Um, don't
1: know much of till schweiger's work but i'm assuming you're about to tell me that he's some kind of scandinavian wolf boy murderer thriller person (laughs) <laughs> because that's, that's how he looks and it comes across in this film.
0: Well, um, his, his, his most well-known performance and what I know him for the most is, um, he's in Inglorious Bastards by your favourite director.
1: Inglorious Bastards.
0: Um, yes, Bastards, um, where he's very good at killing Nazis and he's like one of the most entertaining people in the movie, um... But yeah, he's a really he's a really good actor. Um, you've got Sarah Paulson, who's perhaps most well known for American Horror Story, as his wife in that in in that sort of like segment. Uh, who's mm-hmm. really good. You've got Carlo uh, Gugino as the maternity doctor, um, who's uh, within that segment as well. So you've got all these amazing uh, all these amazing people in small roles, yet they're given nothing to work with. It's like, what's the point in hiring all of these great actors? If you're then not going to give them anything to sink their teeth into?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking especially with Kerry Elwes because, like, you know, you, you could have literally gotten anyone off the street to do that role. And apparently, half of these roles are like, if you look at IMDb, you know, and it says uncredited. Like half of the roles are pretty big names. Matthew Broderick is uncredited even as the the kind of head of the Times Square Corporation or whatever the hell it is. He turns up, gets out of a car tells Hillary Swank off and then disappears. Like, that, Like, why did you have to get Matthew Broderick to do it? Could have been any anyone who was quite thin as a teen starring in films and has now pudged out a little bit. No offence <laughs> to Matthew Broderick, who I think is a they, very good actor.
0: They could have got me to do that, for God's sake. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things is these kind of movies... And I'm going to exclude Love Actually from this because I think Love Actually does actually have something there for people to be entertained by.
1: Does it actually? Um,
0: It it does. Well, actually, (laughs) Love Actually does have something to entertain people in. Um, But a lot of these films, New Year's Eve is a prime example of it, their only thing to get people into the cinema is look at all of these really big names. And that's the pull. There's no interesting story. There's no interesting plot. There's no interesting dialogue. Um, it's literally just, oh, look, there's loads of people in this film who are good.
1: Yeah, it's the the absolute laziest example of that kind of thing, isn't it? (laughs) Where, like, you, you hear a lot of stories about Hollywood and about film casting where it's like they won't look at it without a big name attached or whatever. And because Gary Marshall is the bloke who wrote Happy Days or whatever, he didn't write this film, but he directed it. Um, yeah, he'll have gone like I can get such and such. I can get such and such person. Me and Carrie always we go way back. I assume. Um, and then they're like, okay, we can get all these people. Yeah, let's do it. So it's yeah, it's the this is kind of the worst excess of that kind of lean towards star power over integrity. You think?
0: Yeah. There's there's nothing here apart from it's got lots of very good people in it. And like how many Oscar nominations are there between the members of this cast? Oh. There good. must be loads. So many Oscar noms That'll between be the people in this hell cast. Hell of a calculation to try and make. Um and it's like, why have you wasted all these people? Why? Yeah. Why you could have you could have just got a load if if you you could have made this on a tiny budget with a load of unknown people with one main person. Um, But I think like, sorry to bring it back to Love Actually, but like in Love Actually, we did a lot of discussing the various different plot lines and seeing which ones would work as a story on their own. We did, actually. We did, actually. Um, And there was quite a few where you were like, okay, this could make a bad movie on its own, that kind of thing. Or they could flesh this out and potentially turn it into a good movie. With New Year's Eve, I think there's only one of these stories which I think would hold enough interest on its own to be a feature-length film.
1: Which is Zach Efron, the Efronator. Yeah, Z-
0: Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer's story about an unfulfilled woman who hires a courier who's a bit sort of like blasé about life to help her try and fulfil her New Year's Eve, uh, her New Year's resolutions for the year over the course of two days. Yeah that has potential there to be a
1: really fun silly movie that could really have worked and with those two in those roles as well i feel like those those two performances were the best for me as but i'm i'm really really coming around to zac efron after having ha- seen him as um as chris R in the disaster artist like, he's just really <laughs> like i i think he's he's probably quite good and probably still has quite a good career ahead of him so all of this stuff in retrospect seems like he's actually building towards becoming, doing something, he's going to do some kind of really, really good, powerful, arty film in the next two or three years, I reckon.
0: Yeah, I could see that happening as well. And, like, he's he's proven his chops from a comedy perspective really well. He's been in some really good, funny movies over the last few years. Yeah. Um, he, ooh, oh! you're speaking about an arty, serious movie he might be in, in the next few years. Yeah. Um, Am I right? He is, yeah, he, in the next year or two, he's going to be in a movie called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. And it is a biography of Ted Bundy
1: oh, where okay. he plays
0: Ted Bundy. Wow. Okay. Um, so that might be the movie that does that for him.
1: I could get behind that.
0: Which, yeah, I'd, I I think that could be interesting. And I think he's got a lot of uh, potential as an actor to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and Michelle Pfeiffer, obviously, is one of the one of the greats, yeah. one of the all-time greats of Hollywood.
1: Yeah, she was fab. I mean, um, I got the sense she slightly phoned in her performance, but it was still the most believable one of all of them. And yeah, definitely a really, really good story, especially the ways that he gets around all the, the things that she says. So she's like, I'd like to save a life. Like, you could spend a whole film just exploring that idea um, in various ways. Yeah. But yeah, it eventually just boils down to him her him helping her to buy a puppy, which is fine because it's cute. Puppies are cute.
0: yeah. And, and it's a nice little it's a nice little thing and it and it works really well i'd I'd be quite happy with that as a movie on its own right and it's weird that that isn't then the focus of the movie like in the finale and in che- instead they chose the most inane boring plot line to deliver that
1: final bit of
0: the story it, which it's is um
1: josh 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 duham l isn't it and Sarah Jessica Parker getting yeah. in getting in a horse carriage. That's the worst. Yeah. that's the worst storyline of all of them. And who cares?
0: Like, it, there's these uh, an odd hint here and there that these two people met up the previous year and were like, "Oh, let's meet up again next year and let's fall in love forever." Because I met you for five minutes. Yeah. Um. And then at the end, lo and behold, that's what happens. But nobody cares about that storyline. There's more interest in. Sarah Jessica Parker trying to stop her daughter from being with a skeezy teenager. Yeah, you're like, why
1: are you, why are you such a mean mum? But maybe you're probably right. Like, yeah, the whole parenting angle on that that provides some actually quite interesting drama. But yeah, the like his Josh Duhamel. I don't know how to pronounce his name because it sounds like the kind of cheese that you you when when you're when you're shopping like doing your special Christmas shop and you're buying all the things you don't usually get because it's for Christmas like tubs of celebrations and stinky cheese and you look at all the different cheeses and you see one that's called the Duhamel or Duhamel or whatever it is and you're like, shall I get this? And you're like, nah, I'm just going to get some mature cheddar and be fucking done with it. Let's get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: going to get some some nice garlic and herb cheddar to see in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He ain't no borsai. I I believe it's uh, pronounced... Uh, do ham and eggs um, I think that's the correct pronunciation um, But yeah and his plot Is
1: incredibly dull It's um, the most one of the most boring Plots I've ever seen but I think it's also His face I think I really really don't like His face <laughs> And I feel um, mean saying one- that But I can't think of any other film where I've even Seen him because I think he's got quite a I think either he's in a lot of rubbish films, and maybe I'm just judging him based on that, but I have very few memories of him. So if I've, I'm willing to obviously give him a chance if there's a film where he does a good, does a good acting.
0: Yeah, I think he's in the Transformers oh. movies, I think is the main thing that he's known for. So no. With, uh, uh, <laughs> with my is. main
1: man, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> with your main man,
0: Shia LaBeouf, and then with your not main man, um, Boston McGee. Uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, <laughs> Shia uh, LaBeouf, Marky
1: Mark, and and the Funky yeah. Bunch, and and Josh Duhamel's. Yes, what a Josh
0: Duhamel's. Yeah, I mean those movies, they really have some great performances
1: in them, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah, and just I great, great the... names like Dark of the Moon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and yeah, I think he was in that terrible Dorian Gray movie. Oh. Yeah, I,
1: I did not go to um, see
0: that. Which, yeah, no, that wasn't uh, that was not good. Um, and yeah, so he's 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 not particularly known for his acting chops. I think
1: I'd really like Shia LaBeouf and the and the Ephronator to try and do like a um, some kind of very serious film together. Actually, I'd like to see them do Waiting for Godot on stage. I think that would be something.
0: I'd like to put. Sherlock into the story of Waiting for Godot and have him left in an existential nightmare <laughs> for all eternity.
1: That I'd love to see.
0: Um, He'd like to see I him think that,
1: give birth astride of a grave.
0: <laughs> uh, sorry, I think this cold has made me quite mean spirited. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, so Josh, do ham and eggs. His story does have
1: one <laughs> redeeming feature. That's never that going to stop got, being funny. <laughs>
0: And then it's it's got the dad from Ten Things I Hate About You. I know the emotional he dad,
1: up. and yeah, you, but he doesn't really do an emotional dad speech, does he? No, he doesn't. He just he, tells uh, him not to not to say hell in front of a priest, which is like really, yeah. come on, man! Like, it's not the fucking fifties in Alabama.
0: I mean that 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 kind of would be the first thing my mind would instinctively think to do in front of a priest. A lot of the time, <laughs> say hell,
1: say hell, yeah,
0: hell yeah, God's great. <laughs>
1: i'm gonna say hello Uh, father is the earth flat
0: (laughs) (laughs) helicopters are a great way to travel
1: (laughs) Um, but yeah it's a very a very disappointing turn from the 10 things i hate about you emotional dad there's no no baseball metaphors although uh, speaking of baseball matthew broderick makes a baseball reference that i very much appreciated Reference to the the nineteen eighty six winning of the World Series by the New York Mets that nobody expected. Oh, yes, it's a yes. it's a very very good and very very cheap and easy metaphor for, you know, having to get a ball into the air to make everyone happy. <laughs> but there it is,
0: and also it reminds everybody that this is in New York. Do you remember that this movie said set in New York? Yeah, New York.
1: <laughs> it's all about New York. It really is the cheapest kind of. Celebrating New York on film, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's it's all and much like the entire movie, it's all surface level. There's nothing here that feels intrinsically New York about this movie, apart from the fact that they constantly are saying it's in New York. Look, there's the ball. Yeah, yeah, New York, New York. I'm surprised they there's cabs. There's cabs, and someone stole a cab because it's New York. Yeah, get it because it's New York. It's yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm surprised they didn't just like Photoshop the Statue of Liberty into the background of every single shot, just so they could go <laughs> New York.
0: <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd watch that. I'd watch an entire cut of this if Tommy Wiseau had directed this movie. That's oh what would have happened, and that would have made it so much
1: better. That would have been an incredible film. His big New York movie. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have he'd have made the Statue of Liberty into a character who like, has to wander yes. around and save the day.
0: You mean like in Ghostbusters 2?
1: Yes, exactly like that.
0: <laughs> that would be great.
1: Which is the most New York film ever.
0: That is. It's yeah, that that's the most New York film ever.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and also yeah, making it all hinge on the, the ball drop in Times Square. Like conflating time it, it basically makes Times Square the the signifier of New York. And, you know, that's the same as, like, making Leicester Square, the signifier of London. It's boiling a city down to the tackiest bullshit that is used to celebrate <laughs> it. It's like it's like boiling London down to M&M World.
0: I'm, mate, I would totally watch a rom-com set entirely in M&M World. My God. If you could make one, that, that
1: would be an achievement.
0: One person loves blue M&Ms. One person loves yellow M&Ms. One of them is peanut. One of them is regular.
1: One of them's allergic Can, to
0: peanuts. One of them's allergic to peanuts. Can they ever find true love?
1: <laughs> you could actually do a sort of like what's that one where they get trapped in the toy store overnight?
0: Oh, uh, I don't know what you mean.
1: Yeah, you, the great, do- the greatest, um, the greatest store on earth. You could do that with M um, and M M&M World, where like a bunch of a bunch of hormonal teens get trapped in M M&M and M World overnight, and it shuts, and they have to try and. Work their way out, but they also go mad and eat lots of M Ms and get high on M Ms and then have a big sugar crash and yeah,
0: yeah. That would be that would I'd I'd watch that movie. That sounds really fun. Or you could do the um you could do the same thing. But do you know about this this horror movie that got made a few years ago by someone who was secretly filming it all in Disneyland? No, it's this this black and white like psychological horror that was made by someone who basically filmed the entire thing on a Disneyland trip without getting permission. And you could do you could do the same thing in M M&M and M world, couldn't you? Yeah, you could just yeah. sneakily sneak around. Maybe hop over to the Lego store across the road.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, M and M's and Lego, and then maybe that turns out there's some kind of secret tunnel that connects them. But yeah, the M M&M and M fans and the Lego fans don't usually connect. So how can when some when a Lego fan falls in love with an M M&M and M fan, how's it going to go down? You know?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, this would this would, this has lots of potential. It has more potential than New Year's Eve.
1: It, it it absolutely does. I'm not just saying that. It really does. <laughs> um, so,
0: yeah, apart from... What, what would you say is the second best part of New Year's Eve?
1: Because um, I
0: really struggle. It all seems to be just on a total drop level of boring.
1: It's probably genuinely just the fact that carrie elways is in it for 30 seconds because <laughs> i like him and i always think of his performance in um liar liar as the um the like kind of like really like really try hard stepdad There's such a, something yeah. about the performance is just so so lovely so yeah we're not allowed so we we're agreeing that the Ephronator of michelle pfeiffer is the best story What else? Yes. I also enjoy how much Seth Myers looks like BJ Novak, but isn't BJ Novak every time I see him. (laughs) I
0: thought thought exactly the same thing. I was like, wait, is that BJ Novak? Oh, no, it's the guy who looks like him.
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, dear. Let's see. I like that it's a masked ball that um, the... The, like, hot ticket thing is a masked ball, but, like, when it gets there, only about a third of the people are wearing masks. It's as if they literally ran out of masks and just couldn't be asked because they knew that no one was going to care about it or notice it. (laughs) Yeah. But I noticed. We always notice. Did you notice as well that um, if ever anyone had an accent that wasn't, like, a normal kind of white American accent, it was really overdone?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like... There's the, the Indian guy and the Hispanic lady, and both of their acts who are like working with Katherine Heigl in the kitchen, and both of their accents are like really put on. And I, I get I get the feeling that they were told to do that rather than those being their actual accents. But maybe I'm wrong.
0: That that's yeah. not true about Sofia Vergara, um, right. who is I think she's now the most paid woman on television for her role in uh, Modern Family. Wow um yeah so she's great she um she's i've only seen
1: that show a couple of times but she is very good on that show yeah she's hilarious and yeah so i think that's actually
0: her accent um her character in in this movie is effectively the same as her character in modern family really uh they kind of just stole it like directly from the show um and right. yeah uh but yeah so i don't think that was but again her character is very sort of caricaturish and, and cartoonish, but that kind of works in its favour in that it gives a little bit of life to the film in another one of the most boring stories.
1: That's true. The the most of the stories are so boring that when there is a bit of slightly cartoonish humour you latch onto it because you're like, oh my God, finally something there's something here that I can grab onto. Like with um, the Russian guy who comes to fix the glitter ball. Like is he supposed to be Russian or something? You get the <laughs> yeah. that he's such a kind of terrible caricature of a Russian person who Hillary Swank once offended, and yeah, it's just terrible. I know how you feel, dog. I know how you feel?
0: <laughs> she she heard about she. I mean, my dog is very into social justice and into uh, not not getting bogged down in cultural appropriation. So when we're talking about stealing sort of like Russian identities, she's really on board, which is yeah. why
1: she's barking so much. She's an SJB social justice Barker. <laughs> um, um, but I know, I guess I don't hate Hillary Swank in this film. So maybe she's the second best. I mean, it's such a terrible yeah. poor thing that she, everything kind of hinges on her being able to fix the ball. But her, uh, as a kind of events manager role person is actually quite well done. I, mean, I get the feeling that the woman who wrote it, who's called Catherine Fugati? Fugate, um, I get the feeling that she might at once have worked as an events manager because having also worked in events myself, it's <laughs> the kind of trying to make everything happen and being slightly stressed about it all. That was actually the most real part of the film.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked Hilary Swank in this. She kind of has the lead, I, I, I kind of guess, you know, um, in that she probably has the most screen time out of anybody in the movie. Yeah, probably. it's the
1: meatiest role.
0: Yeah, and she does she does well enough with it. Um, I like her a lot as an actress. I think Hilary Swank's great. But it's just like, again, why are you wasting Hilary Swank
1: on this script? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, um, she's totally wasted on this. But you have got the feeling that she might have actually read her lines over a few times and tried and thought about it, when none of the act- none of the other actors did. Because yeah, and- her her role is the kind of the crucial one. Because if the ball didn't drop, um, New York would have like everyone would have died of sadness, and then New York would have been over, and then everyone would have been sad. Sad in New York,
0: all the lights would have gone off in Times Square. And everyone would have immediately suffocated because that's where oxygen comes from,
1: and the, <laughs> and the Statue of Liberty would have sunken into the sea.
0: Yeah, it would have started melting, melting if if the ball didn't drop. Um,
1: so I'm I'm glad that the ball dropped.
0: Yes, and and yeah, she's um, she's a she's a she's a good actor in general. I think Hillary Swank. I think she's a
1: really talented. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely and yeah, not maybe not be... as not as talented as ludicrous but
0: <laughs> no or um another thing that i loved about this movie was uh common has just a random cameo as one of the soldiers in the ll cool j section
1: yeah <laughs> and it's like oh okay that's <laughs> like who's who's around who can we get for a little thing to just literally stand in the background and be on a kind of skype thing which is clearly on a computer. But when he disappears, has static as if it's a television from 1985. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just nitpicking yeah. now. but no, And again, that that scene. So you've got Halle Berry working as a nurse. Yeah, she has only about three minutes of screen time. She does some nurse stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then puts on a sexy dress and you're like, is she going to a party? No, she's Skyping her husband over who is in we assume Iraq or Afghanistan or somewhere um where somewhere where the US military were doing bad things at the time and probably continue to do so now and yeah that that as well felt a bit kind of emotionally manipulative as well in a, a similar in also in a kind of notebookish way it's like oh here's a thing that's supposed to, that's actually like a little bit sad feel sad now people feel sad here's some sadness be sad New York
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they could have gone one step further. They could have had there be some kind of insurgent strike whilst he was on that Skype call and and then be left with Halle Berry crying in a hospital. After I genuinely an
1: explosion that thought killed. that they might have done that. I yeah. genuinely felt like it was going that way. It, was, it was so. Like, I have to go now. Like there was going to be an explosion and the computer would go dead and then that would be it. Like I wouldn't have been shocked or surprised by that.
0: Because it's so vapid and it adds so little that you'll think, oh, maybe they're just going to try and force some tears out of everybody with this horrible scene. Um, But so thankfully they didn't, but it then just kind of made it seem like there was even less of a point to it.
1: There was no point to it at all, yeah, because it felt, yeah, like everything else, it just felt completely shoehorned in. And, yeah, it just didn't really work at all because it was in the middle of the also terrible storyline in which... um, Hilary Swank goes against the, the wishes of the, the legal and medical professions and probably breaks the law by taking her elderly father, we assume, Bobby De Niro, up onto the roof to watch the bull drop from a, a cold and filthy hospital roof when he's old and infirm.
0: Yes. Although I have I have less time to I, 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 I have less time to think of them as being a villain for that regard. Um because I think it's established that he's going to die very soon anyway. And it's his his chance to have this, you know, see this long last time with his daughter, which is like their tradition every year. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I can get on board with that. It's very ham-fisted emotion, but I'm not going to be like, you're a terrible nurse for doing this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, I don't blame her. I blame blame Bobby De Niro for for his obviously very phoned in performance but it's not <laughs> too hard to play a to play a dying man is it you just sit sit in the chair and look old and weak
0: well like. you say that but do you remember that fantastic scene in friends where joey has that small role in a jean-claude van damme movie no uh so uh there, it's just an end of credits bit where uh where it's a, it's like a it's a movie like outbreak it's about some pandemic that started and jean-claude van damme is only to can't you see what's happening this man is dying and then like points down to to joey who's going like oh i'm dying and there's multiple takes and they're all terrible and then they so they show the final cut at the end and it goes can't you see what's happening here this man is dead and then joey's just lying flat
1: <laughs> oh no i'll have to i have to look that up
0: yeah it's in the it's in the one where um where there's the fight between rachel and um Monica because one of them wants to go out with Jean Claude Van Damme and then the other one ends up going out with Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh no. So the episode's
1: probably called the one with Jean Claude Van Damme. That would make sense. Good old Jean Claude Van Damme. He should have been in New Year's <laughs> Eve. He should have played the rock star character. I would totally watch that. Whose name is Jensen. Jensen. Really <laughs> Jensen.
0: Could they not have called it um I'm kidding? I've just had it as young as uh, Jean Bon Jovi. I started calling him Jean-Claude Bon Jovi <laughs> Jean,
1: <laughs> Jean Bonjovi. John Jean- Jean- you mean John Jean- Bon Jovi? Bois. No, he's like he's the French bon John yeah. oh Okay, yeah, yeah. He's really famous. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And then yeah, it's like it was John Bon Jovi playing like a French caricature of himself. Just with a little mustache. I would have, <laughs> Yeah. I would have paid good money to see that.
0: Yeah, that would have been amazing um i totally would have watched that
1: but yeah yeah no jensen sounds like some kind of terrible boy band that would have you know gotten maybe just through to the live shows of the x factor (laughs) four or five years ago and then been sort of booted out about three or four shows in and then still managed to have a sort of a bit of a career sort of a jls type group
0: yeah i think of it more as being like chico
1: Oh, or or Wagner?
0: Do you remember Wagner? It's,
1: uh, oh, I loved Wagner. I think you pronounced it. Was Wagner. it Wagner? Okay, <laughs> I loved Wagner. I I was his biggest fan. I I have still have fond memories of him singing um "Addicted to Love" by Robert Palmer. Oh yeah, God! <laughs> you can't eat, you can't sleep. Oh, it was uh, so good. The
0: best performance from Wagner was "She
1: Bangs." Do
0: you remember that? <laughs>
1: i do yeah and did did he get to do it with ricky martin um, or did i imagine that i
0: don't i don't think he did but he did transition into love shack at the end and he had some bongos do you remember oh, it God. was the best worst thing i've seen Fucking
1: bongos man um bongos. we should put that in the show notes maybe so people know what we're talking I about i will absolutely put that in the show notes yeah if you, uh, wagner was um some a contestant on the uk version of the x factor probably four year, four or five years ago and he was this quite quite big long-haired gentleman he looked like a sort of um a sort of polished german version of dog the bounty hunter
0: <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine and- jeffrey dean morgan puts on weight and acts as dog the bounty hunter in a biopic that's what you get
1: with Wagner. The heck out of that. Yeah, so
0: would I. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Doug the Bounty Hunter. We have a proposition for you. And if you need yeah. a stunt double, we have just the guy. He's called Wagner.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine he's up to much right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he's one of the best contestants in the history of that show. Yes. How yeah. did we get? How did we get onto that? I was uh, John bon, bon Jovi playing forgot. someone oh, called yeah. Jensen jensen yeah sounds like a an x factor contestant who did not make the grade but yeah but somehow he has legions of screaming fans because how else do you show people that a popular rock star is a popular rock star on screen than by showing him in a tour bus ofs and like writing a little song ofs or is he just singing a christmas song to himself for no reason on the tour bus i like to think he's just doing that yeah. Um, if they really um, wanted then, to show
0: it effectively, he should have just been like snorting up lines of coke in the back of the tour bus. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what this movie missed.
1: Yeah. Coke, groupies. Instead, he just had kind of, yeah, lots of young teenage fans screaming for him. And then somehow he is the ex-boyfriend of Catherine Heigel who is the director of the catering for this New Year's Eve ball event. And apparently it's like the biggest night of her career. Which, if you're in kind of catering management, it actually doesn't seem like that big a gig, really. It seems quite pedestrian.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Um, It doesn't seem like it's that massive, but maybe it's down to the number of people it would open up doors for in the future for her. To to do a good job. Or the very,
1: very important people who came to the masquerade ball where they ran out of masks. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, logistics, not the strong point of this masquerade ball also no. if if I was at a ball, if I was at a party and um I was promised three courses and my dessert was thrown randomly down at people rather than giving being given directly to me, I would be furious. There is no yeah. guarantee that you will get chocolate truffles as part of this.
1: Party. I do not want to have to catch my dessert. I'm not a hunter-gatherer. No. Things have moved on since those days. If
0: possible, I would have it delivered directly into my mouth, rather than go through the effort of having it on a plate in front
1: of me. Um, yeah. So,
0: my my reaction to that, if I was there, would have been what the shit is going on?
1: <laughs> yeah. But also, the the packages looked a little bit sharp and pointy and the parachutes didn't look that good. I was just thinking, you know, you'll have someone's eye out. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: death by truffle. <laughs>
1: Hit it's, in the a, face. it's a health and safety nightmare. Yeah,
0: I would, I, I would not be, I would not be impressed. Um, and I think this would go down as a terrible idea.
1: Yeah. So yeah, Catherine Heigl's character, her performance isn't totally terrible. And again, I think she's actually, she's quite a good actress. And I've seen her in a few things where I thought she was okay. But again, I think similar to Josh Duhamel's, I feel like maybe they, they like star alongside each other. Um, in a number of films that are not good maybe or kind of the the bum end of the apatow scale Um, and yeah she she probably just needs to do some better films but i think she she is a good actress
0: well i think i think the problem with Catherine heigl is that she was heavily critical of judd apatow wasn't she yeah um and that kind of and there's been multiple instances of people that have suggested she's difficult to work with like the way that she left Grey's Anatomy was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um and so she's kind of apparently quite troublesome to work with. So I don't I'm not sure how many people want to work with her on sort of like big movies just because of that reputation.
1: Yeah. That's that sounds about
0: right. Um but yeah, I don't know. Um but I think she's she's there's definitely some talent there, so I would like to see her um in something more meaty.
1: Yeah, I thought Knocked Up wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. We could talk yeah. about that film at some point. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Knocked Up, but I
0: I recognise that it's it's not as stupid as some of the movies of that ilk.
1: No, not um, at all. And had a good soundtrack. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Catherine um, yeah, Heigl in this film, she plays the catering lady who's maybe going to get back together with Jensen and maybe not, but of course she eventually does because he pulls some big romantic gesture like cancelling his gig at midnight at Times Square so he can go and tell her that she has to be with him and she's like, oh, alright, whatever, yeah, sure. I'm wearing a dress that looks like a bin bag. Why not?
0: <laughs> what I love about that is um, that then they give the performance just to a random backup singer. Yeah. Uh, the most Which important would never, ever, ever happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I think if that, what kind of musicians would pull that kind of stuff? Because Bon Jovi's kind of got a reputation as being a very good performer and being very meticulous about things and being, you know, dependable. So the stuff that Jensen does is almost like if they'd got Axel Rose to sing Old yeah. Lang Syne. And can you imagine if they got the new formed Guns N' Roses <laughs> to do a, a New Year's Eve event?
1: I've no idea who's even in Guns N' Roses anymore. They, they've even got rid of Buckethead. I can't keep up.
0: <laughs> well, they sometimes get Robin Fink uh,
1: former oh, Nine okay. Inch Nails and
0: various other people guitarists in. Um, he's one of the best session guitarists out there if you want to go on tour. He's really good. Okay. Um, so they sometimes get him in, but I think he kind of just flits between stuff, between what he wants to do, which I think is fair enough. Um, so I'm yeah. not sure if oh, he's there but- anymore.
1: Didn't they get managed to get most of the original lineup back? Oh, Didn't they maybe. get maybe they managed to get Slash and Duff and maybe they managed to even get the original drummer whose name I can't remember. They'll never get Izzy because he's like a recluse, but I heard I think maybe they actually have most of the original lineup now.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I might be wrong about that. Let's I, have a little list. I'm not really bothered anymore. But I, used, I went through like a huge kind of hard rock phase when I was about 14, 15, as you do when, you know, you first started playing the guitar and everyone's telling you that all this kind of hard rock music is the only good guitar music. Um, so I was I was listening to a lot of Guns N' Roses at that time, got quite into them. So I think I probably still would go and see them if it was the original lineup. But yeah, Axel Rose is obviously a very strange man.
0: From the looks of
1: it, even Slash is back now.
0: Blimey. So it's Axl Rose, Duff McKagan, Slash, Dizzy Reed on keyboards. Dizzy Reed? Yeah. Uh, Richard Fortas is apparently their rhythm guitarist now. Uh, A guy called Frank Ferrer is on drums. He's been with them since 2006. And someone called Melissa Reese who does synthesizers and keyboards and stuff. Oh. So Um, that's most
1: of the way to the old lineup. That's pretty good.
0: Oh, this guy is the guy who used to play with PJ Harvey, the drummer.
1: Oh, cool. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's played with lots of people. Played with Pixies, PJ Harvey, Tool, uh, Psychedelic Furves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd totally go and see Guns N' Roses with that lineup. I'd really That's want them uh, to do. Why are they not doing New Year's Eve party?
1: I know. They should be the ones to, playing at yeah, Times Square at New Year's Eve. But yeah, from what I hear, John Bon Jovi is actually quite a dependable performer. And I'd ima- imagine he would be on town for his sound check. Rather than just rocking up to Times Square at some shitty stage where you know the sound's going to be terrible without a sound check and just walking on, yeah, <laughs> who, who would do that? Stephen Tyler. So, I don't know. I'm trying, yeah. I'm to think of. Yeah. I mean, we're we're
0: kind of used to it. If they ask Palomino Club to do it, we'd be, <laughs> we'd like, be well, like, well, we're oh, kind of yeah. used, we're kind of used to not doing a sound check. So come on, guys, let's just get on with it.
1: Yeah. I'd um, be like, as long as we don't have to bring our amps on the tube, yeah, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I wonder if there's like a kit a kit sharing agreement between all the acts who are playing on the Times Square stage, and there's one <laughs> who hasn't respo- hasn't responded to any of the emails, but will turn up expecting to use everyone else's gear.
0: Yeah, Le- Leah Michelle turns up and is like, "Oh, do you mind if I use your bass amp, prop? And it's like, oh, "Fine.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you mind if I use your Nord keyboard?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Leah Michelle. Again, her character is incredibly one-dimensional and awfully written, but her performance of it is fine. You know, it's you yeah, can't knock she's it. fine. She's in a lift with Ashton Kutcher, who is, of course, a comic book artist.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a comic book artist.
1: Yeah. So their um, their storyline is incredibly weak and terrible. It's like, oh. Two young and sexy people get, in, get stuck in a lift. What do you think is going to happen?
0: <laughs> See, I would have loved it if they turned it into that um, M. Night Shyamalan produced movie where one of them turned out to be the devil. Yeah, uh, there would definitely be, be, be Ashton Kutcher. He is the yeah. devil. I mean, he might be in real life, you know, you never know. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's the most boring, probably, of yeah. the stories, apart from the one with ham and eggs. Which, yeah. is, which is the worst thing ever put on screen, ever.
1: It genuinely is. It's really, really shockingly bad. But no, Ashton, Ashton's one is just so, it's so obvious. It's like, oh, he's the New Year's Eve Grinch. He took down the decorations. He hates New Year's Eve. But now that he's stuck in the lift with a sexy singer who's going to sing at Times Square, of course, he loves New Year's Eve now. It's all fine. Yay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's exactly how it works, Paddy.
0: All you've yeah. got to do to come around to liking something is just be with someone who you find physically attractive.
1: Yeah, that's that's all you need in life. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I do have to say that um, Ashton Kutcher, um, when they're first talking about how he's a New Year's Eve Grinch, he's he's talking. He he says something about New Year's Eve, which I think is true. Which is, oh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but it's about kind of the the whole sort of amateur hour partying, drinking nature of it and I know that friend of the podcast Adam Molesky agrees with me about this we've talked about this in the past so there are a few points throughout the year which are amateur hour for drinking and partying so you got New Year's Eve and also St Patrick's Day when people who generally don't sort of party that much throughout the year or are quite straight-laced go like have a few drinks and just completely lose their shit and go mental and are puking everywhere and fighting everyone and then there's like new year's eve and saint patrick's day there's thousands upon thousands of people all doing that at once so it's always just terrible um and i think the way ashton puts it is he he says you know people who are quiet all year suddenly going all kanye on you (laughs) which is (laughs) one way to put it but i have to say that i kind of agree with that because I think if any time I've ever gone out on New Year's Eve, I've always just found it a bit exhausting. So I prefer to stay in and get Chinese food. Yeah, you, I, um, what, how do you feel about New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve can fuck off, man.
0: Like, for exactly <laughs> those reasons. you And, like, there's always... all There's massive expectations for New Year. Everyone thinks that their New Year's Eve party has to be the best party ever. And I actually quite like just having a chilled one because, like, I've done big parties. I've gone going out to a club where it costs, like, a ridiculous amount of money to get a ticket. Um, I've done going into a big public space for new year and like the worst, which is the worst because you're surrounded by drunken people who are assholes, who you have no interest in spending new year with. Um, and then you're there with your close knit group of friends apart from it's really cramped and you're all stuck together and you can't really enjoy it. And then there's some disappointing fireworks and you go home and that's it. Um, so yeah, I quite like just having a chilled out one, just like a small party with a few friends or just with like family And that's that's perfect for me.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, I, I have been to some quite good parties and good things, but it's always there's always been something that's ruined it, like having to try and get home across London. And obviously, that's a London specific thing. But it's like, yeah, either trying to get somewhere or stay somewhere. Or if you go to anything that is kind of public, yeah, it will be full of just the worst people. And the kind of New York New Year's Eve at Times Square looks looks very much like that. So, yeah, I'm all about the quiet one. Me and my wife usually just stay in and get Chinese food and watch films, and that is enough for me. And I don't ever feel that it has to be anything other than just kind of a nice little kind of chilled-out thing. Except, yeah, the weight of expectation is is always heavy upon it. And this film, I think, yeah, does, does not help the cause of those of us who want to chill.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that that's entirely right. And um, if you're going to have a fun, like, drunken New Year's Eve... I'd recommend finding which one of your friendship group has the biggest space and just having it at their house and not deal mm-hmm. with like random people, random people can get in the bin.
1: Yeah. Like I wholeheartedly agree. Go down to the off-licence, get the cheapest booze you can find or whatever it is that y- you enjoy. And yeah, get a big space, get a ping pong table, you know, do what you're going to do.
0: Don't watch New Year's Eve on New Year's but,
1: Eve. Don't watch New Year's Eve on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Unless you want to be incredibly bored. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dear. Um. Yeah. Is is there anything else you want to share about this sheet here with a film? Or are you? Let's
1: see. We've talked about Ashton Kutcher being the devil. Um. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker's parenting is kind of up and down. And also the the teenager who they the, say her daughter is Abigail Breslin. Whose performance is not bad as a kind of awkward teenager and the, the teenager group. And there's one thing where the group of teenagers are being followed by one of the other kids' mums who's like hiding behind the menu and stuff. That is quite funny.
0: Oh, yeah, that uh, was hilarious. There's that one bit where Abigail Breslin and uh, Slick Hair McGee go and have a private Slick chat. Hair
1: McGee.
0: I think that's his character <laughs> name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no,
1: he is um, Nat Wolf, who is in The Fault in Our Stars as the Blind Kid. And also the lead in paper towns, both of which are adapted from books by John Green, who I very much like, so I feel like again he's the, he's a kid who's probably on the up, but in New Year's Eve, he looks like dappy from Endubs.
0: <laughs> he does look like dappy from Endubs. um I've just looking up this guy, oh yeah, I recognize him more now um he's not just slick hair McGee he's also in that <laughs> he's he's also in that terrible death note adaptation that came out this year.
1: Oh, I heard nothing but bad things um, yeah, about that.
0: Yeah, I'm really disappointed because it was directed by Adam Wingard, who's a horror director that I absolutely love. Um, who's done some of my favorite horror movies like Your Next and The Guest and he did bits of VHS. Um and uh yeah, it's it's bloody awful. Uh, <laughs> um anyway, yeah. So so they're they're having their little like side chat um, and then in the background, you just see this mum who's been following them everywhere just appear in the background out of nowhere. It's great. That, that's one of, the, one of the two bits of the movie that made me chuckle a little bit. This one is the only one that made me chuckle deliberately in that they were clearly trying to go for comedy and it made me laugh.
1: Yeah. What was what was the other thing that made you chuckle?
0: Um, Zach Efron has a moment of slight exuberance at some point when he's managed to get Michelle Pfeiffer to do something and he just gives this tiny little fist bump and goes, yeah! <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and that made I, me, I know
1: what you mean, yeah. Yeah, that made me laugh an awful lot, um, that. Yeah. And then also, even though supposedly Josh Duham ham-fisted and his, his storyline <laughs> is the thing that closes the film the credits are mostly Zac Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer dancing to Raise Your Glass which is a great pop song so like that's good that's good credits like I you know I would have watched the whole film where it was just them dancing to that song I
0: mean I would have I I I genuinely think that if they just made this movie about um about that storyline they could have had a really good film and it's very that's probably the biggest sting of this movie and how it's so bad is there was the potential there for something to be really really good and you had a really good you had two really good actors in which to pull it off but instead you went for let's do an anthology and let's not give anybody a story and let's make some really boring stuff and let's add in some unnecessary sadness and drama to it
1: yep it's ball bag speaking of a big sting Sting is who they should have got to be the rock star character, yes, he would have been great at that because he's a pretentious ass, <laughs> so you could potentially, you could definitely believe that sting would um would yeah just just like not show up to the to the stage on, um, in Times Square because he was off chasing a woman who was doing catering
0: um only if he's wearing his weird metal underpants outfit from the movie June, <laughs> yeah.
1: And only if he's tantric.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I'd watch that. And also, that would add an even creepier uh, age gap between the two characters. Because it's a little bit... Ugh, don't you think?
1: But I, I honestly hadn't thought of it. Because I think a lot of the film you're, you're dealing with the age gap between the Ephronator and Michelle Pfeiffer. And when he kisses her, she's like, I'm twice your age. And he's like, who cares? Cause, but cause you're, you're not really, yeah. You're led to not really care about that. So I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I guess she's in a, what in her thirties and he's around 50. I don't know. Yeah um whereas sting i guess he's in his 60s now i don't know
0: yeah maybe i mean we'll have to have a look but yeah i find that quite interesting yeah. that um one of these couples in this movie they make a real obvious thing where they're like oh but i'm so old and you're so young and it just happens to be the way around that the that hollywood never does it in that it's an older woman and a younger man and the only time we yeah. ever do that is when they're trying to make a point whereas the Bon Jovi, Katherine and Heigl one is just seen as the natural default.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, maybe that's another reason why we think that um, the the Zac Efron storyline is more interesting because it isn't. It's it's atypical for Hollywood schmaltz.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that might be another thing. And it's kind of it's not really implied that it's going to go on to become like a romance, as it were, really either. But and it's just and that's what makes it so interesting is that in this movie, that's primarily about these different romances, um, all these different connections, like family and things like that. There's one where this may well just be like a one-off experience for the two of them, and that's what makes it so so unique and so interesting in the film as a whole.
1: Yeah, they have their little New Year's Eve kiss, but it doesn't necessarily lead on to anything. And then when they're dancing in the sea, in the credits, that you could read that as just platonic for sure. Yeah, what else do I have to say? I'm just looking at my notes, and I wrote down "Nobody lives for the ball drop," Bobby De Niro, because <laughs> <laughs> it's implied that that's the only thing that he's living for as an old man. It's like you must have done some more interesting things in your life than watch a ball drop.
0: Well, isn't it that he used to run it, and then it's been uh, handed onto his
1: daughter, so that's why it's of such significance, right? It shows shows how much attention I was paying. <laughs> <getting. laughs> i also wrote down ryan fucking seacrest is he real
0: uh whenever i see ryan seacrest on anything i always think of uh a ryan seacrest type from bojack horseman yeah <laughs> and,
1: and that's, that, i'm a ryan that's seacrest it. type
0: um yeah, yeah he can also get in the bin he can i don't yeah. i don't care for yeah. seacrest he can piss off
1: he's a caricature
0: of himself i'm ryan seacrest my name sounds like the name of a sci-fi show from the 1990s. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seacrest SG1. <laughs>
0: no, Seacrest. Oh, Seacrest. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I never saw it.
0: Se- Sequest DSV from uh, from the mid 90s. It was terrible, but it was much better than Ryan Seacrest. So yeah, get in get in the bin, Ryan. We don't care for you. Yep.
1: Get yeah, get in the bin and swim in the in the sea of bin juice
0: go follow your family name and get
1: in the sea <laughs> and crest a wave <laughs> um i also wrote down that all of the women in this film are super passive doormats and i think that's true right yeah that's true actually because especially the ones who are wronged by men um there are two examples of this which is katherine Heigel um is wronged by jensen and it's like she's not going to go back to him but then when he shows up again she's like oh all right then and then teen abigail breslin eventually does does have a smooch with with dappy from n dubs even though he kissed someone else at midnight (laughs) it's like uh, it's all all of them even even michelle pfeiffer who is the most interesting character she's kind of a doormat as well and like it's like zach everyone's dragging her around a bit you
0: know? yeah but at, at least that one they kind of explain why she's a doormat and the whole thing is about her anxiety and everything like that uh, so that so they make it more than just a default passivity that the plot requires and they make it more of a point of the story and it's like yeah, that's true. Th- whereas they with do. the other people it's just like oh yeah women are you know they're women so they're just not going to do anything e- even the even the, the two pregnant women the storylines of those two plots primarily uh, are driven forward by the men. Yeah. Which is super weird. It's super weird.
1: Yeah, it is is quite weird. Yeah. And it's one of them, yeah. Shouting into his wife's vagina, which is very strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I forgot to say as well, it has an opening and closing, like just very, very short voiceover. So trying to be, trying to be like Love Actually or whatever again, but yeah. So you got Sarah Jessica Parker opening, and then Josh Eggs closing it with just some trite bullshit about love or whatever. I I didn't even take in any of the words because I was so already offended by the idea that you have to have this kind of little opening monologue. What does it do? What's the point? Why do you need it? It's just become kind of a stupid trope in and of itself, and ugh. Yeah, that really irritated me.
0: I'd, I'd, uh, what I'd really like instead is, given that no one was paying any attention to this movie, surely the opening, but uh, the, the closing dialogue of the voiceover could have just been some nihilistic comment, like you know, time really is relative and has no meaning. So New Year's Eve is redundant entirely. Just say <laughs> that. <laughs> just yeah,
1: yeah. Or if it was just someone doing that 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 quote from Bertrand Russell about it being turtles all the way down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just talking, telling about that, that conversation about him with the, the flat earth woman who believes that it's, it's turtles all the way down because the earth is on the back of a turtle. It should have been something like that just to see if anyone noticed. <laughs> no, like you could say anything in that kind of closing voiceover and nobody would notice. Yeah, yeah.
0: Speaking of nihilism, have you ever have you ever looked at Nihilist Arby's? The t- uh, the Twitter yes, feed? I have. Yeah. That's
1: a very good Twitter feed.
0: Which is really good. I like that. Almost up.
1: as good as the official Moon Pie feed.
0: Yes, that is that is an excellent Twitter channel. If you are on Twitter, go and check out the Moon Pie official Twitter feed. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah. So I'm just on the, the Wikipedia page for New Year's Eve, and I wanted to check because there's also Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, which are all directed yes. by Gary Marshall. Um, and I couldn't remember which one came out first, but apparently Valentine's Day came out first. Yes. So I believe I have seen Valentine's yeah. Day Valentine's and Mother's Day, was Day first. but I, yeah, my memory, I can remember Mother's Day, I think, because that's more recent, but I couldn't remember Valentine's Day at all. So maybe at some point we'll have to torture ourselves by watching that as well.
0: Well, but, that, that is going to be our next big holiday, isn't it?
1: Valentine's oh Day. Oh God, so. this is, this is true. This is true. So yeah, I guess that has to happen. Yes. Yeah, but again, it's it's the concept they managed to wring three three awful films out of it, and then there's no more. But I'm surprised they haven't tried to do Christmas Day or Love Day or you know, <laughs> Father.
0: Whatever. Yeah, they could do Father's Day. They could do do Christmas Day, Christmas Eve,
1: Boxing yeah. Day. There is a f- for the for our American friends. There is one called Labor Day, isn't there? Oh, is there? Um, but that's not part of the same no the same no. production. That's like an actually good film with Kate Winslet, Josh Brolin. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but it looks a bit more serious.
0: Yeah. Um, they could do Martin Luther King Day. Yep, yeah. you could have a, can... a shitty voiceover from someone saying, "The most important thing about Martin Luther King Day is love."
1: Oh, some. Can you imagine how terrible it would be? Like ham-fisted bullshit about <laughs> um, about empowerment and oh i need that to really
0: I, I need to find an activist to kiss at midnight on martin luther king eve
1: <laughs> <laughs> martin luther king's eve yeah all of the eves and it just has to be about trying to find someone to kiss on the eve
0: <laughs> oh god yeah don't give him any ideas paddy this is going to
1: happen now you realize Yep. mlk eve yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Taylor Lautner is in Valentine's Day. I'm just looking at it right oh, now.
0: I may. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's gonna have to happen for our Valentine's episode. Or we may well do another yeah. a few of them. But uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. As is Taylor Swift. Cool. <laughs> you got all the
0: <laughs> Taylors. Um so so Valentine's uh, New Year's Eve, it didn't have a particularly great reception.
1: I um, I can't
0: understand why. So it was nominated for five Razzies. It was nominated oh, for yeah. Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Actress, which was Sarah Jessica Parker, Worst Screenplay for Catherine Fugate, and the Worst Screen Ensemble for Everybody.
1: No. I um, think that's unfair to Sarah Jessica Parker, actually. I don't feel like her performance is that bad. It's just that it's part of the worst storyline ever.
0: Yeah. Um... It lost every single one of those uh, categories to Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So, so worst
1: actor... That's definitely very unfair, because, as you know, you're talking to a Sandler apologist here.
0: uh, Worst actor and worst actress went to Adam Sandler for Jack and Jill. Also (laughs) (laughs) lost... it, It also got the worst picture worst director, worst screenplay and worst ensemble. Um so yeah. Uh yeah, it did it did it did well. Um Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2 won the worst screen ensemble the following year though. So
1: See, I think that's very very unfair to Michael Sheen and his maniacal laughter. Yeah, he should, he, should, he should definitely be excluded from that from that equation yeah him and the wolf the wolf boys should definitely be excluded from that
0: as well you know wolf boys for life
1: wolf boys for life (laughs) yeah oh we need to watch jack and jill then in that case it must be terrible
0: i don't think there's any romance in it isn't it about
1: oh it's his twin sister yeah yeah Um, at least
0: i hope there's no romance
1: in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe the reason people really hated it was be- yeah, it was because it's an incest comedy. But what oh. I what I
0: what I find interesting about the the Razzies is that a lot of the time they have completely you look back at it, you look at black at some of the previous nominees and it's really bizarre. So like The Shining was nominated for raspberries. Um, oh really and it had because it had quite a mixed reception when it first came out although with time it's become a classic originally people didn't quite like it as much Um meanwhile Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt got nominated for worst screen couple for interview with the vampire which has gone down as one of the best vampire movies of all time oh. Um so yeah it's really it's really weird
1: yeah, um, it seems like I've never paid much attention to the Razzies, but it, even though I think it's a funny idea and that should be done, just in terms of you know kind of critical reception of films, but it seems that they they mostly just are kind of led by a general critical consensus um, in kind of immediate visceral reactions to films rather than giving them time. I'm on the Wikipedia page for that now, and it says "Golden Raspberry redirects here for the fruit. See raspberry." <laughs> I'm just
0: imagining, like an alien or like a demon that's possessed someone who's trying to understand more about human culture, and is like, "Ah, oh, what is this thing called a raspberry?" And then they go down <laughs> to the local greengrocers and they're like, "I want fifteen golden raspberries, please. I would like it in the flavour of worst green couple, please."
1: And he's like, "Okay, here's Jack and Jill." <laughs> <laughs> and the alien's like, "What is film? What and is like?" Oh. What is a DVD? Oh, uh, we'd have to show them the Alien New Year's Eve, and then hopefully <laughs> oh God. that that would convince them to leave this planet
0: or or annihilate humanity from all existence. One or the other.
1: Yeah, definitely. New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Cool. Have you got anything else you would like to share about this fantastic? Uh, I,
1: film? I I think I think I'm done. Yeah. Cool. Okay
0: uh we we will just fade out much like when they were putting the effort into making this movie they kind of gave
1: up before
0: they reached Ah. the end of the production
1: Um, i don't know that it ever faded in it it, it does make me wonder about the kind of people working on this production because so many of the actors i think were doing it in such a disjointed manner that the people working on it were they really enthusiastic about it did they really think it was going to be like the new love actually maybe they uh, did maybe
0: maybe they did um but yeah. Uh so do you have a rating system for New Year's Eve?
1: Um oh, good good question. I was gonna say how many strings of lights in a row would need to blow out for your Times Square ball to not drop.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I like it. There's
1: the whole the whole joke about it being like a string of light a string of christmas lights where if one goes out the whole thing goes out which is not true and is stupid there's no way that that would ever happen but
0: uh, 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 yeah it's dumb uh, my my choice for the uh for the rating system was going to be how many bags of truffles have flown into your eye and blinded you permanently <laughs> at this new year's eve party <laughs> that's that's more concise than mine i'll give you that so out of 20, what score are you going to give?
1: Uh, um, I'm going to give it... I think I'm going to give it the lowest score I've given any film so far. I'm going to give it a 4. Oh yeah. 4 yeah. out of 20. I
0: think that's a well-deserved
1: score right there. Because um, even a 5 seems generous. That's a quarter. That implies that it's a quarter of the way there, which it most definitely is not. But like I said, the, the potential... For there to be something interesting between Zach Efron and Michelle Pfeiffer, and the the one laugh that I had at the the mum following the kids around, um, just about stopped it from scoring a two or three, I guess. So yeah, it's a four, four out of twenty. How about you?
0: Yeah, I um, yeah, I think I might have to go a little bit higher than you and go for that five.
1: Oh, um, that's that's generous. Is yeah. it because of ludicrous?
0: Uh, it's entirely because of Ludacris, because he really makes me believe that he's some kind of police chief. We'll um,
1: oh, every- give him his full title, Chris Ludacris Bridges.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I no. I. I again. I. I really like the. Um, I, I really like the sort of general story between Michelle Pfeiffer and um, Zac Efron. I think there was real potential there for something good to happen. Um, the rest of the movie is trash, absolute trash. But um, yeah, I think I think there's something there that could have could have been something more, um, but just never reached it.
1: It is a real bin fire of a film.
0: Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's really bad, really really bad. I don't know whether it's Bridges of Madison County bad in terms. Oh yeah, of what my did enjoyment. you
1: what did you score the Bridges of Madison County? We'll I have think, to go back and listen. I, I think can't remember, that might have but... been
0: a five as well okay um
1: i'm gonna go back and listen and check yeah british and
0: madison county would have been better like like it's a better film i think there's more there it's just unbelievably boring whereas at least this you could kind of hate watch it as well but only a little bit there's only a little bit of hate watch going on
1: i think i was i was hate watching a fair a fair amount of the time yeah (laughs) so five out of twenty yeah there it is yeah get in the bin would you so yeah if would you rather watch this the, the question i have to ask would you rather watch this film once a day for the rest of your life or the bridges of madison county
0: i'd probably rather watch this film if it was every day for the rest of my life if i had to ask which one i'd rather watch six months from now i'd probably say the bridges of madison county that's how little I feel about this movie, how little respect I have for this film. Yeah. Because um, you know that there's very little things I'd like to do Uh, less than watch the British of Madison County.
1: But It's, it's your fave.
0: It is. It, I mean, yeah, secretly I have my British of Madison County tattoo. <laughs> Just yeah. Clint, Clint Eastwood's crying face on my back.
1: and then meryl streep's on the front just sighing yeah yeah just on my just on my belly i got meryl streep lots of sighing (laughs) so now we've we're over the fist the festive period is over we've welcomed in the new year in new york so what uh what is your it's your choice so what are we watching next
0: yeah, so it is my choice, and it feels weird because we've been stuck on a on a, a sort of plan for so long about Christmas movies that now I've kind of been given the freedom to choose whatever the hell I want.
1: Yeah, uh, which With is great. Responsibility comes great power. Remember? Yes, yeah,
0: um, and so, ooh, I might go for a nice modern rom com that I don't think that many people have seen. I'm going to go for Love and Other Drugs.
1: Cool. I, I have not seen that.
0: Yes, I saw it in the cinema, but I've not seen it since.
1: Um, cool. Good, so, yeah. good choice.
0: Yeah, we'll go for, go for Love and Other Drugs.
1: Very, very good call. Right, well... Uh, I, uh, I don't have any more other bits of feedback or follow-up, do you?
0: No, it's only been a very short amount of time since the, the last time we recorded, actually.
1: This is true. Uh, so. This is true. Cool. Well, in that case, all that remains is for us to wish you listeners a very, very happy new year and a wonderful 2018. And hope that you, all of your dreams come true and you accomplish everything. And that whatever you make this year, that it is better than the film of New Year's Eve and more interesting than the plot with Josh Dohamenegg, Ham Fisted, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Happy New Year, everybody. Um, go have some nice, do ham and eggs for your breakfast on on New Year's Day. Um, try try not to get stuck in Times Square. Um, no,
1: don't. But if if you enjoy that, if that's what you really like, then that's fine. You know, in celebrate New Year's, however you most enjoy it, take some time to care about you because you are great. You did it. Yeah. Well done.
0: Do, do whatever makes you happy on New Year. Don't feel pressured into going anywhere you don't want to go or anything like that. Just make sure that you see in the New Year in the way that you
1: think is best. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Happy New Year to you and we'll be back in the New Year to talk to you about love and other drugs.
0: All right. Happy New Year, everybody.
1: All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. New York. <laughs>